Hear the Future, the podcast dedicated to gaining inside access to today's brightest minds through open discussion and deliberation. Today, we are lucky enough to be joined by Ashu Savani and Ben Spring, co-founders of a quickly growing company called TryHackMe, an online platform built for aspiring hackers. Ashu recently completed his master's degree in computer science from UCL, whilst Ben also studied computer science at the University of Portsmouth. They met at Context Information Security, a cybersecurity company based in London, during an ethical hacking summer internship in 2018. They quickly realized that they shared a similar opinion on how learning cybersecurity was still deeply fragmented. TryHackMe was founded in November of that same year. The platform has recently surpassed 100,000 members, half of which joined in the last two months. During this time, they've also managed to build a very strong brand, which is supported by a loyal community online. So guys, it's obviously a real pleasure to have you both here. Can you tell us what got you guys interested in cybersecurity in the first place? Nice. Th- th- thanks so much for having us. Um, so I think, I think for me, it was more... My my first introduction was at was at UCL. Um, when, so when I started my computer science degree, I didn't know very much about tech, or wasn't quite sure that there was so much more to tech um, than programming. And then I think one of our professors actually ran a security club there. So every every Thursday, he'd 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 bring a group of people together, and then they'd go through some online challenges. And that was sort of my first exposure. Um, and then I think ever since then, I've just been I've just been increasingly increasingly fascinated. Um, so that that then led me to to sort of find an internship in security, and then since then I've been working full time as a security consultant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, thank you for uh, having us on. Um, I, I think for me it was more just about the curiosity. Um, I was building websites very young, um, and just noticed that um, you know sort of friends were playing with it and someone could do something which was you know out of the ordinary and i think it was more of the the art of sort of manipulating and breaking the application which really sort of fueled me to to sort of understand what was actually going on and from there sort of just developed and just learned a little bit more and a little bit more and sort of that um, passion for it just grew over time do you think like the problem that you were trying to solve when founding trihackme was Maybe a lack of education of cybersecurity, or was there a different motivation for founding TryHackMe? Um, I think it was, to be to be completely honest, we we sort of started TryHackMe for ourselves. Um, so when when Ben and I met, we were at our at our security internship, um, and part of the internship was you know learning learning about security content, and we just we just found it quite difficult to learn because at that time, what the current learning method was. It was just throwing people into an environment and saying, like, here's an IP address or here's a website. Go, you know, go go figure out how to break it. And and that like, while that can be good fun, that was quite inefficient for learning. So so we thought, you know, we'd make it easier on ourselves. And so, how quickly after you two met did this idea really come about? So I think, I, yep the the initial idea was I think it was it was Ben. Um, so so I think Ben Ben started building it in the background. He was he was having. Ben, Ben, if 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 you guys don't know, Ben's always building things, always buying <laughs> domains, um, which is which is something he does all the time. Yeah, so I think I think Ben started building it out, and then um, and then Ben Ben just asked me if if I wanted to work on it, and it went from there. Right, Ben? 
Yeah, yeah, that was, that was exactly it. And I think to begin with, also there was like third-party platforms that we were using for um, in in our internship. But it was also the internal system we were using. Like this this playground was um, sort of the same situation, right? Even though there was guided content or the interactive material either wasn't thorough enough um, or it, or it constantly was just breaking. So it was just like frustration um, whilst trying to learn is really bad. So yeah. So Ben, you sort of built the early stages of the platform. Now, what do you guys do within TriHackMe? Who does what? Is there a clear separation or is it sort of in the air? Um, I think that um, like the, the, the great thing about working with a shoe um, and with any co-founder is that we, we sort of complement each other's skills. Um, so like I, I'm sort of more development focused and a shoe's really more of the, the sort of the oversees the business and sort of the, the vision of, of TriHackMe because before, um, the, my, the, the very first version of TriHackMe, it was, it was very similar to what Shu just described. It was, hey, here's an IP address and sort of there were tags where you could learn and you could hack a machine, but you knew that what topics were you were learning. And Shu actually was the one who came along and said, look, this would be so cool if, you know, we actually had more structure to it. Um, so in terms of the roles, like I, there is a distinct, there's sort of a clear um, sort of separation between them. We both do the development, but Ashu is very much um, level-headed when it comes to, you know, moving TriHackMe forward. And I'm very um, more of the, the development um, end, but we both, as I said, complement each other's skills, which makes it um, like fantastic. I think exactly like Ben said, I think more more than that, it, it was just fun to learn a lot of, you pick up a lot of new different skills. So I, I was like before, before starting TriHackMe, I, I had some development experience. I wasn't, you know, that great. But I think working with Ben um, has, has taught me has taught me so much more about, about developing applications. So I guess the whole fun part behind this was that like with a co-founder, with a different set of skills, you end up picking up so much more and learning so much more. And that, that whole journey up till now has been fantastic learning-wise. And how did you guys actually go about acquiring your first few users? Um, so I think I think very 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 much like Ben said is is we 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 just started building out the product for ourselves um, and and I think so we started actually writing out the product in around August September 2018 um, and then the the actual quote unquote public launch was around November 2018 and um, and 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 so we just put it out to the internet just to see what people would think and and the the primary methods of actually reaching our users was Reddit. So there, there are three main cybersecurity subreddits. So I think it's NetSec, Ask NetSec, and NetSec Students, um, and then and then also Twitter. So we just put it on there while we were while we were working on the application, um, and then and then yeah, pe people started coming on. People actually started having a good time, um, and we saw this was something people people actually use. And then I think Ben, it was around was it around November or December that we had one of our first um, community contributors reach out to you. Yeah, so, so like we were we were sort of hyped, got hit by, we got bitten by the startup bug. Um, and I think one of the things we were talking about is making sure we like speak to our users. And we reached out to someone called Darkstar. Um, and then he was already contributing uh, material to the platform, which is one of our unique selling points. You can like upload your own virtual machine to try hack me and you can have other people um, deploy it. So it saves you having to you know host your own infrastructure and sort of maintain it. Um, so someone was pushing um, material out on try hack me and we reached out to them and we got chatting. Um, and, and that's how we really started to sort of develop the platform. But yeah, as you said, it was very much um, posting on like social media or passing around to friends. And um, yeah, that's up until, well, even now we've just grown organically. We've never had to sort of have any paid advertisement or anything like that, which is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, just adding on to what you said, like I think 
the platform is really unique in the sense that you guys give the users the ability to upload their own VMs, right? And their own binaries. That's something that's very unique. Um, I guess I wanted to ask, how did you manage to engage with your community? And like, how did you manage to get such a high level of community engagement to this um, point? So yeah, so so I think like Ben said, Dark, Dark Star um, was was the first person we reached out to, and then I think ever since then he's he's played a very key part in developing the community. Um, so a, a large part of how we interact with our community today is Discord. Um, Dark Star has like he was the one who laid the foundations of how we do that through our Discord. Um, so he set up a Discord server for us. Um, we were always on there because we we wanted to see how people reacted with it. Um, so I think it was this whole process of having having access to your users so easily and just constantly like being able to chat to them helped quite a bit. Um, and then I think Darks are also also played a massive role in terms of how, how do we interact with our people in terms of setting a structure in, in, in the sense that we need mods, we need mentors. So he, the community was basically his baby and we're really grateful that, you know, along with him, that he, he set the foundations for us on how to interact with people. Um, yeah, but, but the, the whole idea behind that was it wasn't as it, it's it, it's not scalable to do it in the sense that you know you just need to go talk talk to your users to develop a good community. There you actually need certain rules and processes in place that um, Darkstar helped set for us. Sure. And at what point did you guys realize that this could actually evolve from a pet project really into an actual company? Um. So I think Ben, it was around it was around when we did our first hackback, right? The first university competition. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think around that time we saw that you know the our, the first angle of like learning everything was was very student based because at that time we were university students so we we knew our target market and and we knew and because we were so familiar with students that's sort of who we wanted to target first and 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 coming from computer science backgrounds we know that you know students love building things and breaking things um, and it's very easy to get them to compete in these things. Um, so I think Ben Ben had the idea for for Hackback, our first university CTF, um, in in March of in February March of 2019, um, and 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 that sort of marks the point where users start, slowly started um, coming on to try hack me. What would you say since its inception in November 2018, up until this point, what's been the uh, the biggest challenge that you faced with the company? It's been a few. I mean, I, I remember Ashu and I, um, like up until 4 a.m. with a, an open VPN server that wouldn't work. Just, just the, <laughs> initial, the initial infrastructure setup, we, because um, we were really determined and not to sort of purchase our own um, to, to use um, sort of, um, you know, a cloud infrastructure. And I think setting that up was, was an initial challenge. Um, but I, I think um, in terms of catering to our users' needs, and for me especially, it's um, like understanding and, and knowing what to focus on because that's often like a really difficult um thing to do with so many ideas and it's knowing about which one to to actually put our energy into uh, and i think that that was quite a difficult like obstacle to overcome um she's been fantastic in uh, sort of guiding like okay this is where we need to, to to put our focus in or this particular feature or function is, is going to be really beneficial so that for, for me personally that that was the that was it yeah and yeah and I, I think i think again for me it all comes back to to the more, I guess, product development side of thing is because you know we have we have we have a platform that people are, are coming onto, and like Ben said, is how do we actually make sure people are benefiting from those platforms? And there there's so many pieces that tie into this equation, right? It's not just having good content on there. You need to have um, one example is you need to have like features 
that users will, will actually use. You need to make sure that people are actually engaging with the content. A really big part has been the community. So how do we make sure that, you know, the, the community scales scales well with the product because I think that's been a really big selling point. That's We've seen that a lot of people tend to come to try Hackney because we we have a fantastic community. So there are a lot of little, there are a lot of little like cogs and pieces that we need to make sure are, are you know, functioning well. So I'm curious to understand your, your thoughts on actually scaling this sort of a solution to enterprise. So I think, I think when we started, we were, we were, because it was for us, we were always very community focused. Um, as we've, as and what we've seen in the past, I guess five past times since we've started is that um, the enterprise, the enterprise space is is a very it's it's a very I guess you could call it juicy option, right? Because that's where that's where a lot of the money is. If you if you look at a lot of people people starting companies, that that enterprise market is where people are targeting. Um, so we initially we initially thought that you know that oh because that's where all the money is we should actually focus on enterprise but over the past few months we've come to see that that's not exactly where our, our niche or our, our 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 core product lies we've seen that our core product lies in 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 different areas that don't exactly fit the enterprise space i'm sort of curious to know how you guys go about um hiring or like finding talent i'm not sure how big your team is right now but has there been any sort of process or procedure that you do to find engineers or devs? So I think we have um, we haven't officially hired somebody. We're actually going through the process of finding somebody now. So we're doing interviews and like okay. that stuff. Um, Great time to ask then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but we have uh, like a the, the community. We have um, sort of um, room developers. Um, so people who we have this content creation program um, where people can develop machines like commissioned material for TryHackMe. Um, and, and you know we we often look at the rooms which have been posted on the platform and sort of identify talent and bring them into this program. And, and you know I think that's maybe sort of a um, you know an initial step to hiring someone it's you know having someone working with them to produce like commissioned content onto the platform yeah so i assume that so far you guys have been uh, bootstrapping this are there any plans for raising uh, maybe venture capital funding later on down the line so i think yeah we we like i guess we come back ben and i come back to this question every couple of weeks um but but yeah, I think the the end goal is to to bootstrap it as 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 far as we can. We've we've been able to bootstrap it up until this point. Um, so we've we've not had any actual reason to get any VC funding, right, Ben? Yeah, yeah. Up until now, so I think we, we our, our main sort of traction came from December, and that's when we really started to see traction and um in turn sort of revenue come in. Um, yeah, and as you said, the bootstrapping it up until now. Um, and into the into the sort of the near future is definitely the the way to go. There's obviously a couple other services out there who offer similar, but obviously not the exact same um, educational platform for cybersecurity. Who would you sort of say your biggest competitors are, and how do you differentiate from them? So I think when we when we initially started out, a lot of people would compare us to Hack the Box. Um, 
but it, I think in in the in the past few past I guess six seven months we've come to seen that we don't really see people like Hack the Box or Immersive Labs as competitors. They're, they're obviously in the same space, but I think what we've actually seen, and this has come directly from talking to users, is that is that we all fit a need in in, in the cyber ecosystem. So the so in terms of like I guess you could talk about the, the the life cycle of a particular user. We've seen that a lot of beginners tend to come towards Try Hack Me to start out. Um, once they do furnish their skills is when they move into Hack the Box, which is, I guess, a more advanced platform. And then companies like Immersive Labs are more catered towards enterprises. So I think it's when we initially started out, we'd, we'd obviously be thinking in terms of competitive advantages. But now it's now we've seen that all these different companies fit different spaces in their ecosystems. Um, and this is and this is actually from the behavior of users we've seen um, in terms of in terms of, I guess, how we're different. I think Ben, ben mentioned earlier that and, and Simon also brought up that the fact that we allow people to upload their own material um, is, is is something we've not seen a lot of other people do, um, and that and I think Ben, it was I think yeah I think it was Ben's idea that, sorry I think it was Ben's idea regarding that particular feature um, because when we were interning we actually saw that um, a lot of things were done through virtual machines um, and you'd spend ages setting up virtual machines. You'd spend like hours, you know, making users set up virtual machines. So that was more for our own convenience. Um, right, Ben? Yeah, and sort of, you know, giving that option to everyone was, was really key. But I think in the initial stages of TriHackMe, we were also speaking to um, my university, the University of Portsmouth, and they were really sort of, um, sort of wanting to support a young entrepreneur that in air quotes um, so they, they, they were on board um, and one of the things that um, from speaking to the uni was that uh, a lot of the time having to um, it's, it's great having you know bringing creating their own material but that takes an awful lot of time where we have this whole room model on the platform so you can take a room on try hack me you can clone it um, and then you can repurpose it and that was a really big thing for the uni because it meant that they didn't have to spend hours making their own material they could repurpose material which was already on the platform and sort of aligned with their objective or course and syllabus um, and then could sort of distribute that privately to their students and sort of that whole being able to make your own room and upload your own materials is like a really powerful model in terms of the flexibility we give to the users. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think universities are currently doing enough to teach cybersecurity or do you think there's like a massive gap there? Because I mean, I know personally as a computer science student, I had one module in security, which was very like very superficial. We didn't go into too much depth. Uh, and aside from that, I really haven't had too much exposure to it. Just curious what your thoughts are about um, the learning system. Um, I think, yeah, we, we've had we've had very different experiences, I guess, personally and from what we've seen. I think my personal experience is that when I did security at university, it wasn't it wasn't that helpful or it wasn't that applicable to the real world. I wasn't able to to take things that I learned and apply it to, to, to different concepts in the real world. Um, but I, from from when we've spoken to universities, I think we've seen that universities in the US take things a lot more practically. Um, we're not we're not exactly sure why, um, but from speaking to like I guess lecturers and schools there, their focus their focus tends to be, I guess one a lot more student driven. They actually want like actual interactions with their students on a very time limited basis. And the second thing is they they're actually looking to make a realistic curriculum. Um, ben, what was your experience with with security at Portsmouth? 
So I did a computer science um, degree. Um, I've just finished, and though, though, even though there were a few security modules like cryptology, um, things like that, we, we never sort of deep dived into you know learning a particular security topic or, or breaking something. Um, from what I've seen, and sort of, I haven't had firsthand sort of experience with it, but from what I've seen, um, I'm working with the University of Portsmouth and other universities alike, um, I think, yeah, I, I don't think there was enough practical material because it's really great having, a, you know, all this theoretical knowledge thrown at you, but until you actually validate that through your hands-on knowledge, hands-on material, sorry, um, I, I think there's like a big gap. And I only think just now are universities really, you know, um, utilizing sort of virtualized labs in order to provide the hands-on uh, material that, that people need. And I also think that um, more recently than ever, this massive thing about gamification, and I think more platforms are really starting to adopt, um, sort mm. of, you know, it's sort of this competitive edge term to platforms to really encourage users and to keep them engaged. Um, and I only think that that's starting to occur recently. But as I said, I, I can't really speak to it because I haven't had uh, much exposure to, um, you know, doing it personally. So you guys have obviously had some really explosive growth um, over the last few months. I guess my question really is, how big is the market? Um, how much more is out there to get? Um, so I think from from what we've seen, like a, a lot of our, from the demographic, we've seen a lot of people who, who come to try hack me are very beginner focused. So that's that's what they classify themselves as. And I think I think the age range we've also seen currently on try hack me is, is sort of, high school plus or university plus, so it'll be people from the age of 18 plus. Um, so one, there's, I, I think that the, there's that whole uncaptured market of, of introducing security to people who are in like primary school, middle school or high school. Um, I think we've, we've seen that a lot of people tend to run events there, but but there's that whole uncaptured market where people aren't 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 like targeting targeting people between the age ranges of, I guess, 12 to 18 and, and, and sort of teaching them the fundamentals of security. And, and then again, there's also there's also that whole aspect of of one people wanting to switch careers. Um, so we know that what people tend to people like to like move, people assigned to move into tech, actually, and cybersecurity is looking very popular. Um, and then even apart from that, as we know, we know there are already security specialists who are looking to like learn more advanced content. So there's, I think there's there's a whole wide range of the market um, out there. Yeah, and just to add to that, I think if you look across the broader spectrum of engineers and developers, I'm sure that you would find a lot of senior, highly experienced engineers who have virtually zero background in cybersecurity, while at the same time, there's a large handful of students, you know, even high school students who are highly skilled uh, in cybersecurity. So it's just a very interesting dynamic to point out. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 like it's it's quite strange because with with I guess a lot of tech in general, you need to have some aspect of security in it. Um, but but what I saw at least when 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 going through university degrees, they don't really embed like principles of security on there. So you tend to like I guess you tend to see or meet people who've gone through similar things. They go through through similar like aspects of like technology jobs, but but they don't really understand how cyber like plays a part of it until they get exposure to it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a, a misconception on what like cybersecurity actually is. I mean, there's so many TV programs and you know kids watching sort of you know this hoodie hacker with a, on a computer, but you know if, until they actually understand how you know the fundamentals, as you said, it's it's difficult but uh, you know building on what actually from the question um you know the cybersecurity skills gap is only getting like increasingly worse 
So I think we're in a, and like the need for sort of virtualized labs is only going to increase. So I think like at the moment, we're in a really good space um, because from what I think anyway, I think that the market's only going to increase and I think there's going to be more and more opportunities um, in the future. Yep. And, and yeah, just just exactly as Ben said is like because because a lot more people are willing to come into it and you have a lot of people from different backgrounds coming into it. Gamification is, is becoming more and more important because you want you want to capture this market and market and actually make make cybersecurity interesting and gamifying it is, is the way forward. So there's there's a lot more opportunity in the space. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm sort of curious to know a bit more about what you think the role of artificial intelligence is in cybersecurity. There's obviously a few startups and more established companies who have started to use AI um, to solve cybersecurity issues. What's your opinion on it and where do you see that going? Um, so this, yeah, I could guess, give a disclaimer that I'm, I'm in no way an expert on AI. Um, <laughs> and I, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a very, very complicated topic. But um, from, from what I've seen, I've seen a few startups who, who who sort of try to automate the security testing process, or, or or who use you know artificial intelligence to learn where the security holes tend to be in products. Um, and initially, I guess before I knew much about cybersecurity, I thought, I thought you know that's a really good idea, getting getting security feedback from from an algorithm um, at at like a very reasonable price. But more and more from like the exposure I've been getting to different like security technologies, I think I think it's much harder. Like a a very generic example would be you see a lot more new technologies like Kubernetes or containerization come out um, that that are, are are so complex even for human beings. So in my mind, I can't think of of you know like AI programs being able to like delve into these technologies. Um, and and the fact that people are utilizing new technologies and platforms every day, I'm not sure if like if people are able to write algorithms that are are able to instantaneously adapt to these new technologies. Um, and what are your views on embedding artificial intelligence into the actual learning process? Um, I, so Ben, have we? I'm, I'm not sure if we if we've spoken about about like AI and teaching, have we? In in a trackme aspect? No, not really. I, the only thing I think that comes close to it um, is sort of how can we best utilize the data that we store about our users to improve teaching and learning, um, almost to have a like. We always, you and I always talk about this personalized learning experience, and it's something we definitely want to do. Where, um, you know, we, we try and find the best part, the best pathway um, that a user has you know, has taken in order to achieve a particular task. So whether that be a beginner user coming onto the platform and learning from scratch right up until you know becoming like a, an intermediate level um, cybersecurity penetration tester, uh, tester for example. Um, being able to sort of identify patterns that will help um, our users learn better, getting the most optimal, um, you know, pathway for them to learn. I think that's the only thing I've really seen it or, or thought of using data like it for. But in terms of artificial intelligence, machine learning, I, I wouldn't really know. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we can sort of start to close off now. One thing I'd really love to know is what type of advice you would give to people who are maybe similar to the two of you, a bit younger than you, aspiring cyber entrepreneurs, what would you tell them right now? Um, I think, I think I'd say that it's, I'd, I'd say if it's important to one, like talk to your users. So no matter what you're doing, if you have an idea, or if you already have a product, make sure you're, you're constantly talking to your users. And two is that, 
Um, it's important to ship things out because a lot of people tend to be stuck in the ideation phase of their journey or, or the brainstorming phase. But the only way you're actually going to validate your ideas is, is you need to ship something. Um, it could be wireframes. It could be like an actual product, but you need to get something out there. Um, yeah, yeah, I, th I, I, I very much what you said. Um, just getting something out there. A lot of people are stuck because they don't know how to code or they don't know how to sort of um, you know, create the initial product, but pushing anything out there just to validate the idea and then going from there is like great because I think everyone has a great idea in their life, but actually executing it is where the hard bit is. And, uh, you know, being able to take your idea and put it into practice is, is um, sort of a huge step. It's, you know, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I think whilst you're young as well, you don't have any responsibilities. Like Ashu and I already always say about, the, you know, the factor of risk. We don't have any family really to support, to support financially. We have a lot of time. We don't have children. Um, you know, now's the, like a great time to start something or to, to push something out. Um, so, yeah, well, do it, uh, do it while you're, you're young. Um, and also like a lot of colleges, universities and school like have like entrepreneurship like programs um, which they can take advantage of. Um, so it's definitely worth, um, you know, checking that out as well. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think we're going to close off by asking our signature question that we ask all of our guests on this show. And that is, what is the biggest change that you want to see happen across the entire world over the next 10 years? Um, I think I, I personally want to see people, more people get access to technology um, where I guess, yeah, or, or we're quite lucky in the sense that, you know, we're, we're easily able to learn about one. We have like access to like the Internet. We're easily able to, you know, access like technologies. But but in loads of places around the world, people don't people don't really have any access to this or they don't even know, you know, that stuff out there exists. So I really want to see more, see technology concepts around technology being made more easily accessible around the world. Um, in terms of the more learning how to build things and learning about all different things about technology, let it be AI or security. Wow, how, how do I talk <laughs> that? <laughs> that was a really good answer. I, I, yeah, yeah, that's um, that's really interesting. Actually, I didn't even think of that. I, I think there's so much going on, um, you know, to make technology sort of available um, to everyone is is really is really great. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna like just copy his answer I think I think that's perfect that's what I'd like to see yeah <laughs> yeah it's a great answer I couldn't agree more I think for the amount of people who don't have access to basic technology is just really shocking so yeah what you're doing is really awesome yeah we we, we like to we like to think we're sort of playing like a small part in making that happen because a lot of a lot of what we tell people about trihackme is that you know all you need is an internet connection and you know with a click of a button you'll actually get access to you know machines that you can actually hack so we're yeah we're we're slowly I guess in our own way trying to make sure that you know like anyone can start hacking. That's a really heartwarming mission, guys. So yeah, keep it up. Thanks. Thanks so much, guys, for your time, and it's been a real pleasure talking to the both of you. No, thanks so much for having us on. Yeah, thank you, guys. Appreciate it.